after living in a house that we built and things that I would consider if I were to do it again or things that I've learned that I now talk to all of our clients about. Um, some of these things we've just standardized because we should. Um, but other things are just food for thought. Um, so there's seven things that I jotted down and I just thought I would go through and, and talk through those to, like I said, maybe just have, give everybody some food for thought. Welcome back to the Spruce Home Show, your local podcast that talks all things custom home building, things to be aware of, things to expect, and things to take note of. Thanks for tuning in. Let's go. back guys we are back in the saddle back at her uh we are ready for i guess what we are calling season number two we admittedly halted a little shy in the springtime our plan was to extend season one into kind of the end of may but to be honest we just got really 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 busy uh and had to prioritize a few other things so we halted. Our plan was to halt over the summertime, kind of enjoy some time with with our kids, with family, travel a little bit, and then get back in the saddle here this fall. And so here we are. So season two, we uh, we're really gonna just be a continuation from from season one. So we're gonna pick up where we left off. We started talking about what our process looks like. Um, from a building standpoint in back in the springtime. So we walked through what that pricing standpoint looked like. We're going to continue that on. We're going to do some episodes on what the design process looks like, going to do some episodes on what the construction process looks like, et cetera, et cetera, so that you can put that full picture together before you even come to us to understand what the entire process would look like for you. So we're going to continue on from season one. This season may look a little bit different. It might just be a little bit more sporadic. Last season, we really tried to commit to weekly episodes. And it was really difficult at times to make that happen. And a little bit overwhelming sometimes. So we're not going to 100% commit to that. Um, we are we are going to try and be regular. So it may be weekly there might be some weeks that we miss. Um, if that happens, we will we will try and make sure we're at least bi-weekly um, so that we are continuing to, to get you guys more information so that really to unpack what that building experience looks like from the beginning right to the end and some things for you to think about uh, before you start and, and as well in the middle. So that being said, follow if you want to be notified of when new episodes are released. You can follow us on Instagram. That's where all of the all of our releases get announced. Um, one of the other things I think that we're going to add in this season is we're going to add in some interviews, some more interviews on, especially on quality. Reason being is that we understand how important quality is. Everybody expects high quality, but it's difficult to define what that is because it's so subjective. 
everybody's idea on what quality really means is a little bit different. So we're going to try and interview some people on some different topics on what we do to manage quality and what that means in our eyes and give you guys a little bit more better sense of the behind the scenes things um, around the trades that we use and what they do when, when they're doing installations and whatnot, just to give you a better idea. So that's kind of what to expect in season number two. Um, that being said, today I wanted to keep it kind of light, kind of quick, uh, nothing too serious. And so I thought I would touch on, we've, we've actually been living in our house that we built for just over three years now. So we moved into our house in May of 2019. So it's been just over three years. It was three years in May. And so I thought it would be good to, to maybe talk about some lessons that I've learned after living in a house that we built and things that I would consider if I were to do it again or things that I've learned that I now talk to all of our clients about. Um, some of these things we've just standardized because we should. Um, but other things are just food for thought. Um, so there's seven things that I jotted down and I just thought I would go through and, and talk through those to, like I said, maybe just have, give everybody some food for thought. So the first thing is air sealing. So we built our house, how I would describe as traditional for the Saskatoon area, meaning that we used house wrap. We didn't use zip sheathing with zip tape um, and have air barrier on the on the exterior we used bat insulation with with um, poly on the inside that's our air barrier we did bat insulation bat and poly the rim joists from an air sealing standpoint we didn't do anything above and beyond what you would see in an average house built in saskatoon by any other home builder um, and I think that's the one thing that I would do differently if I were to do it again. There's, there's a couple things that I would do differently. Number one is starting with the rim joists. I would not bat and poly them. Um, I would spray foam them. That's one of the things that we have moved to as a standard. And we just do that from now on, unless somebody actually asks us to peel that back and, and simply do bat and poly. Your rim joist is where a lot of your air leakage. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Choking on my own spit. <laughs> um, your rim joists are where a lot of your air leakage is going to come from. If you think about it, your your rim joists are your rim cavities are an abnormal shape because we we use eye joists. Um, it's almost like a puzzle piece that you need to seal. And when you're trying to seal that with what is effectively um, tacky glue, <laughs> which is accused to seal, and um, plastic, it's difficult to make sure that the plastic and the glue fits tight within, the, um, within that puzzle piece. Um, beyond that, you also have a lot of penetrations that go through your rim joist from the inside of the house to the outside of the house. So that can be 
anything from there can be possibly electrical uh, when we're talking about like air conditioning and whatnot. There could be um, there's a lot of vents that go through, whether it's from your dryer, whether it's from your range in your kitchen, um, main conduit that comes through for power and gas. All of those types of things come through your rim joist and they're penetrating the exterior, but they're also penetrating that poly uh, that's difficult to seal at the best of times. So because of the combination of multiple penetrations through your rim joists, plus the difficulty to to 100% seal the, the joist spaces with batten poly, it's just a prime place for air leakage to happen. And when air leakage happens, that's when you can get, I'm more worried about energy efficiency because it's it seems like a really easy fix, but you can also think through, um, you can have condensation going up in happening if that happens, if it's not sealed properly, it could frost build up, which everybody knows is gonna, could lead to mold. Um, if it's not sealed well, your rim joists are typically closer to the ground, which means there could be bugs coming in, those types of things. Um, right now it's fall time and we live outside of the city, so I'm conscious of this as I hear crickets at night all the time. Well, that could be a place for crickets to come in. They find their way in through kind of as long as they get their nose in, they can they can squeak in. So it's like just things like that. Um, so that's the first thing that I would do. I would consider, um, or I would do differently. And it is something that we've standardized. And then beyond that, I would also, I would also highly consider doing an aero barrier seal throughout our house. Um, reason being I've, I've gone back and forth, whether in our given our economic state, given everything that. I guess worry and all the situations and everything that I know that the best thing to do would probably to go and do zip sheathing and, and tape it. And then you have an air barrier on the outside of the house too. But the cost of that is quite a bit higher if everything else is equal. Whereas if you're going to do an aero barrier, you can still do bat and poly on the inside of your house. Um, but an aero barrier sealant, they come in and it's little particles that get uh, they pressurize your house and then there's little particles that um, I can't remember what the molecules are made of, but um, basically they fill any gaps that you have missed in your air barrier up to like one inch around, which as long as your your insulation installer is halfway decent, they're not going to have gaps that are bigger than one inch around. So what that air barrier can do is it t seals your house very tightly. So the combination of spray foam rim joists and aero barrier seal um, in your house is a way to, do you add cost to your house? Yes, of course. But um, I think in the long term, you're building a better product and you're, you're actually lowering utility bills, which is something that I've been thinking about as the cost of construction continues to rise is instead of just thinking how much a house costs today, thinking through what a house costs over 20 years and trying to build a cheaper house over 20 years, not necessarily today. Um, so I think that the added cost of sealing your house a little bit better is going to play out in, in the long term. And 
and you can actually do the math. So we, there's computer modeling now that we can do um, to take a look at some of those decisions and trade-offs and see what does make sense. How much does it cost today? How much is it going to save you in the future? And make better decisions that way. Um, so that being said, first lesson learned, air sealing. The next lesson that I've learned is natural light wins. We put a pretty big focus on putting pretty big windows in our house and it's something that I just do not regret. Um, having additional glass in your home in the winter time in this province is kind of a headache in the winter time because you, you just do have to deal with some condensation on your windows from time to time. But the trade-off of that versus the way that your house feels with the additional natural light, there's just no comparison. Um, in fact, I would even, if I were to build again, I would do a few windows differently. Even if they were the same size, I might make some windows non-opening that we made opening strictly so that it can be full glass and we don't need any like mullions or anything like that, any casements that interfere with the glass. Um, so that is a huge lesson that I learned. I've been selling that for, for quite a few years now, but it's something that I've 100% learned and, and can tell the feel of inside the house when you do it. Um, the next one is solar consideration. So admittedly, I am not for or against solar. I was against it um, strictly because of the of the cost I just it was hard for me to get around the fact that of, of the payback periods um, and I just felt like there's other things you could do with that money to create a better return on your investment that being said where the economic condition that we've seen ourselves in over the last we'll call it handful of months has changed that um, number one solar vehicles are becoming let's just, they're here. They're going to be here, um, in the future and they're only going to become more popular, um, and more common and, and more cost effective. So that with the combination of the obvious price of fuel over the summertime just got me thinking. Um, so I actually did the, I did rough math and if you assume that your solar on your house is not only going to pay for the majority, we'll say, but let's just say it's going to pay for your utilities. I know that there's some deviations and some arguments about whether that's 100% accurate or not, but for, for today's sake, let's just say that it's going to pay for your utilities in your house and it's also going to pay for the fuel in your vehicle. If you make those two assumptions, the benefits of solar start becoming, they start making economic sense really fast. Um, and, and then you're going to start saving some serious money versus not having them. So I think that at the very least people, when they're building their house should at least think through that option. I'm not saying that they should do it and I'm not saying that they shouldn't do it. I'm just saying that it should be a consideration that everybody takes serious thought into. Um, whether whether it be now or in the future. For example, like right now, we don't have any, I don't have any solar vehicles. Uh, the economics for me is still a little difficult to get around, but I can 
I can see a time where in five years, maybe, where we do have solar at our house and we do put it on and we do own maybe one or two EV vehicles. We'll just see where the technology goes. I think that at the very least, we all have to admit that over the last five years, there's been quite, there's been a huge jump in the technology in EVs. Um, the amount of manufacturers that are are manufacturing EVs. And I think that that competition is going to be good for the industry. And at the end of the day, it's going to be good for the consumer. Is there going to be kinks along the way? Yes, of course there are. And that's why I say that in five years from now, I think it's just going to be that much further along. Um, Because I think the next five years, there's going to be even more... um, more technological advances than there have been in the last five years, strictly because now every all the manufacturers are doing it and, and there's more competition. So we'll see. Like I said, I think it's something that everyone needs to think about. Um, the next few are, are way more minor. So one of the things that we did when we built our house is we decided to try and save some money on our exterior doors, meaning that... Um, we have one, well, we have glass in, in two of our exterior doors and we didn't do triple pane. We did dual pane. Well, that was a bad idea. <laughs> um, there's, there's quite a bit of, of, uh, condensation that happens on those windows. Uh, the, the quality of the doors aren't a hundred percent because they are a less expensive door. They're a steel door instead of a fiberglass door. Um, there's just been lessons that we've learned they they dent more easily they scratch more easily than a fiberglass door etc etc um so the whatever the five to eight hundred dollars that we saved going steel doors with with double pane dual pane glass instead of triple pane and fiberglass i just i wouldn't do it again um that's another thing that we've standardized i haven't priced a steel door in probably two or three years now. And it's just not something that I recommend. And again, unless somebody specifically asked me to peel out and peel back uh, to a steel door, fiberglass is the way that I would go. Uh, heated floors is the next thing that, that to think about. We did not do any heated floors in our house at all. And especially in the winter time, it's something that I think I would splurge on next time. The cost of adding heated floors under your tile in some bathrooms from the grand scheme of things is not, it's not that expensive. Um, now it depends on the size of your bathrooms, obviously, but if you have a, an average size ensuite, for example, the cost, the upgraded cost to put heat in, I think in the winter time to get out of bed when it's 30 below and step on a, on a nice heated floor. It's worth it. I think, um, the other thing, like in the winter time you come in from outside, especially if you're out on an acreage and you're spending significant amount of time outside moving snow, or even just playing with your kids, literally just going and standing on heated floor when you're like feet are frozen, you can't feel your toes or your kids their feet are frozen and they can't feel their toes. I just think that the, it's it's something that I know most people do consider and think about. Um, and I don't think it needs to be everywhere. Like, to be honest, I wouldn't put it in my 
spare bathroom or my kid's bathroom. It would just be in the ensuite. But it is something that if I were to go back and do it again, I'd splurge on. Um, and then probably the last thing that I've learned over the last three years, or maybe not learned, but become more sensitive to, is really to make sure that you understand what you want your lifestyle to look like before you go ahead and buy land or pick material, et cetera, et cetera. And what, what I mean by that is I'm going to give us an ex- as an example. So we now live out of town on two acres. That means that the yard work, AKA picking weeds, watering gardens, watering flower beds, cutting grass, um, trimming, trimming around buildings, those types of things, clearing snow, the summer stuff, especially it's like a four, five, six hour job. Um, beyond that, this weekend we were out staining our deck. That was another three hour job and we only got one deck done and it's a smaller of the two decks. Um, and we did that because one of the things that we decided to save on was the decking. We went pressure treated decking instead of, instead of composite. And where I'm going with this is that you have to decide what you want. Do you want, do you enjoy that stuff? I enjoy it. Caitlin does not enjoy that. I enjoy it. (laughs) Um, she would rather be doing things with the kids. And so that's, she does, she does things with the kids and I take care of all of that other stuff. Um, but you have to decide what, what do you want? Um, are you okay doing those things? Are your kids at an age where you're like so busy as it is that you already can't keep anything straight? So adding more chores or maybe that list just becomes twice as long. Like, is that something that you want? Maybe it's great in theory, but like actually is it what you want or is it going to like cause marital problems? Um, You know what I mean? So, and, 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 that's not only thinking about like this, that's thinking through the size of your house. That's thinking through the materials that you build with. I just talked about, we were staining the deck. That's what I mean. Think about that. Like you need to do that every couple of years. Sure. It's not a big deal, but it kind of eliminates a weekend out of your summer. Does it take the whole weekend? No, it probably won't take the whole weekend, but if it's going to take six hours on a Saturday, you're not going to the lake that weekend. So you're basically kind of giving up that weekend. That's just, that's just one example. If you're, you, people are thinking about cedar shakes or cedar soffits on their house. Well, those things need to be taken care of, or they're just going to deteriorate and and they're not going to last long. So those are things that you're going to need to maintain. Well, do you have the time in your life to actually do that? Um, those, those are just things that I've become really aware of, um, over the last three years. And and the same thing can go with the size of your house. I say this all the time. I say, don't build a bigger house just to build a bigger house and think about cleaning. <laughs> if you build a house that's 20% bigger than it needs to be, that's 20% more cleaning than you have to do. Um, or pay someone to do, I suppose. But if you're going to do the cleaning, then, and it's 20% bigger than it needs to be, that's more time that you don't have to spend with kids or go on date nights or go out of town for the weekend. Just 
those types of things. And that that's what I mean about really understand what your lifestyle, what you want it to be. Um, I wrote a blog last week and, and one of the points that I made was, was build your house around what you want your lifestyle to look like, not what it currently is. Think about the fact that you're not living in that house right now. So there's things in your house right now that drive you crazy. Well, make your next house, make sure it fixes that. Like if you're building something from scratch, make sure it fixes the problems that you have now so that it creates that lifestyle that you want. And one of those things does revolve around maintenance and and just general care of your home. So anyway, those, this has got actually way longer than I expected it to be, but this was more of just like a shoot the shit type day. Talk about lessons that that I've learned in a house that we've built after we've had a chance to live in it for uh, for three years, a few seasons, um, and and kind of share those. Maybe it gives you some insights in into what you might think about when when you're considering building or buying land for your next house or whatever that looks like. So, anyways, that's all I have for today. I hope you guys have an amazing week and uh, you have an amazing fall. And we're excited to get back into the podcast episodes and continue sharing with you guys. So I will see you uh, next week. We do have one on the docket for next week. So I will be sharing that next week and we will see you then. Take care.